Welcome to the Battle Ready Sermon Podcast with Captain Rob Westwood-Payne. Now, a couple of weeks ago, um, on our Covenant Sunday, we heard um, the General's message from his welcome meeting back in September last year. And um, I don't know about you, I've probably heard it now maybe five or six times, and every time I hear it, the, the kind of the red, the blood and fire blood starts pulsating through my veins. Did you feel like that on that day? Yes. Two of you, good, okay. Um, because it was just so enthusing and so passionate and, and just so focused on who the general believes that we are and who the general believes we should be and can be as the Salvation Army, as part of the Universal Church. And so his whole message was based around, you know, this is us, this is who we are, this is who we are called to be, this is our DNA as the Salvation Army. First of all, he said that we are people who have experienced the life-transforming change that Jesus brings into our lives. That we are people who have been transformed and changed because we have come into contact with Jesus and that life transformation continues day by day. And that, he said, this is us, this is who we are, this is our DNA. He went on to say that because we've experienced and we continue to experience this life-changing transformation this relationship with Jesus Christ, we are passionate about telling other people that they too can have the same life-transforming experience. We can't help ourselves. Wherever we are, we want to tell others about Jesus. We want to give our witness. We want to give our testimony. We can't help but to share our story and to say, you can have this too. This can be your experience. This is who we are, said the general. This is us. This is our DNA. He went on to say that because of this life-transforming relationship that we've had with Jesus, it, it gives us a special impetus to care for other people. We love God and we therefore love others as a result of the love that God gives to us and the love that we have for God. And in the Salvation Army in particular, we are called to care for those on the margins of society, those who are most in need, those who most need our urgent hope, um, help and hope. And we do it not because it's just a nice thing to do, but because of that life-transforming uh, transforming relationship that we've had with Jesus. And through our caring, we want those people to come to know Christ too. This is who we are. This is our DNA. This is us. He went on to say that because of all this, because of the relationship that we have with God, because of our our wanting to tell others that they can have this relationship through the love that we have for others because of the love that God gives to us, we don't want anything to get in the way of our message or to get in the way of our service and our ministry. And so we try our best day by day, moment by moment, to live holy lives. To live lives that are different to perhaps those that are lived in the world around us. Those of us who've signed up to our soldiers' covenant will we'll recognise as we read through those paragraphs 
just what a different lifestyle it is and how stringent it is at times because we want to be fully focused on loving God and loving others and we don't want anything to get in the way. This is us. This is our DNA. This is who we are. And the general simply ended by saying, I'm up for it. I'm passionate about it. I'm enthusiastic about it. What about you? What about you? Are you fired up for this? Are you passionate about this? You see, I think it's important at times to pause and to reflect about who we are. What is the church, we asked at the beginning of this meeting? What is the Salvation Army? Who are we? Because if we don't ask those questions, then we can fall into our autopilot and we can become something that God doesn't necessarily want us to be. Or we can become trapped in a kind of time warp where what God wants us to be is something different because life and the world has moved on and we're still trapped in some kind of time warp trying to be something that God wanted us to be 30, 40, 50, 100 years ago. And so it's important for us to ask this question every now and then. Who are we? And that's what we're going to do this year as a core, at least at the beginning of this year, probably for the next six months or so. We're going to ask ourselves those big questions. We're going to say, who, who does God want the Salvation Army to be in the 21st century? What does that look like? What does he need us to be as individuals? What does it mean for us to, to be corporately? Who are we? Who does God want us to be in the 21st century? Who does God want Maidenhead Core to be in the 21st century? And who do we think we are? And do those two things match? And if they don't match, well then, what do we need to do in our own individual lives and corporately in our ministry and our service that brings those two together so that we are what God wants us to be in this 21st century? What is it that we might need to stop doing? What is it that we might need to start doing? How differently might we need to live our lives in order to be who God wants us to be in the 21st century? We're going to start asking those big questions in our leadership team, first of all. And then in a few weeks' time, and I'll and announce when, um, we will ask the core as a whole through the mission cluster groups. So the mission cluster groups will be brought together to ask some of those big questions and to work through it together. Because I don't know if you've ever known this, and I, and I, can't, I can't explain it to you. It's a mystery in a way. But somehow getting together and brainstorming these questions... And even though God is speaking in different ways to different people, somehow we bring all those disparate ideas together and we find God's way through. And we, find, we discern God's guidance. And that is somehow fuller and richer, at least in my experience, than one person coming along and saying, this is what God said we should do and let's get on with it. And so I want as many people to be involved in those discussions as possible. So if you're not signed up to a mission cluster group yet, I'm going to ask the call sergeant major to find out the sign-up sheets that are still in the office somewhere and put them back on the board, and you can sign up now. I think we have three people in the mission and spiritual life group. Okay, we could do with making that corret. So if you haven't signed up to one yet, sign up to whichever one... Uh, most interests you. If you're not sure what they are, then the slides have been going around the screen before the meeting. They'll go around the screen after the meeting. 
uh, and we'll remind you of the titles and the sort of things that they'll be looking at. But we're going to gather together as mission cluster groups and ask those big questions. The general made it clear that if we are going to be who God wants us to be, then we have to retain our spiritual passion, our spiritual fervour. So I don't know if anybody has got this CD at home or if they were thinking of purchasing it, but can I just say to you, if you've got it at home, I suggest when you get home later, you throw it out. Have a look at the screen. Attention Christians, from the makers of Worship One Hand comes this brand new collection of reinterpreted hymns. Do the classic hymns of old portray a message too strict for you? If so, then look no further. This is Hymns of the Lukewarm Church, with reworkings of your favorite hymns and a softer, more lenient message. Hymns like Just $19.99. Call today and get worship one half at half price. For the lukewarm Christian, there's no better album than Hymns of the Lukewarm Church. Order now. That is, if you feel like it. Lord, I just might be in that number. No rush delivery available. You get the idea, don't you? Uh, it's a good job it's funny, otherwise it would be pretty tragic, wouldn't it? That's how our Christian lives can become if we're not careful. If we're not asking those, ourselves those questions, if we're not reflecting on where we are spiritually. Uh, in those verses that we had from Romans, it was uh, a verse that the general uh, mentioned, verse 11, that, uh, uh, where Paul says to the, the church in Rome, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. 
Um, some of the other translations say, never lose your spiritual fervor. And the general went on to say, the fact that Paul felt that he had to write these words implies that it is possible as a Christian to become lazy. That it is possible as a Christian to stop working hard, either to go through the motions or simply to down tools altogether. The fact that Paul had to write these words uh, implies that it is possible for us to work for the Lord unenthusiastically. Because if that wasn't possible, then there'd be no need for him to write this sentence. It is possible for us as Christians and as salvationists to be lazy, to stand on the sidelines and let other people do stuff, to spectate, or to serve the Lord unenthusiastically, to be lukewarm. So the first thing that we need to challenge ourselves with, and I challenge myself with this as much as I challenge anyone else, is how do we know if we're becoming lazy? How do we know if we're no longer working hard for God? How, lo- how do we know if we've become unenthusiastic? Now, I think there are lots of ways that you could answer that question. But as I studied these verses from Romans chapter 12, I realized that Paul has given us the answer in these verses. Because for Paul, it is all about love. It's all about godly love, agape love, as the Greek puts it. It's all about the love that God gives to us and fills us up with until it's overflowing if we allow it into our lives and for that love to flow to other people. How do we know if we're becoming lukewarm or lazy? Paul says the essence of Christian discipleship, the essence of salvationism in this uh, territory at the moment because it's kind of our mission statement is our love for God and our love for others. To what extent do we love God and love others? Paul says that if we are working hard, if we're, if we're not being lazy, if we're working hard for God and we're serving him enthusiastically, then our love will be sincere. Paul says don't just pretend to love others, really love them. If we are really loving other people, then that proves that we are working enthusiastically for God and we haven't become lazy and we haven't become unenthusiastic. And we do it not because, or not just because, people need our love and people need our care and they need us to help them. We need, and there are needy people in need in this town and in this community who need our help. But we do it because it shows to them the love that God has for us and can have and does have for them. And it gives us an opportunity to say, you can have the same life-transforming relationship with God that we have. Our love is sincere. We don't just pretend to love them. We don't just go through the motions of serving them food or tea and coffee or whatever else we do for them. We really love them And that's the way that we show our love to them. Paul says, if we're keeping our zeal for God, if we're continuing to work hard for him, and we're enthusiastic about the ministry and service that he's given us, then we will hold tightly to what is good. We will love what is good, and we will hate what is evil. We're discerning. 
We're clear in our minds about what is right and what is wrong. Those of us who signed our soldiers' covenant, look at our soldiers' covenant, and we look at the paragraphs that are in that, and we, we measure up what is going on in our lives against those things that we've signed up to. We don't just live lives on autopilot, just accepting whatever the world throws at us. We don't just switch on our televisions and just allow the televisions to pump out whatever they pump out, whether it's good or bad for us. We're discerning, we think about what is right and what is wrong, and we cling to what is right and we get rid and hate what is evil. We're prepared to make a stand. We won't allow things, evil things to go on in the world without making a stand and saying, we think this is wrong. We believe this is wrong. This goes against what God wants for the world and what God wants for us, and we're prepared to stand and say that this is wrong. It's evil, and we want to embrace all that is good. Paul goes on to say that if we're still zealous for God, if we're still working hard for God, if we're still enthusiastic for the ministry and service that he's given us, then we will love each other with genuine affection and take delight in honouring each other. The relationship that we have amongst ourselves should be like a parent, a good parent to a child. That kind of love, that kind of tenderness, that warm affection that a parent, only a parent can have for a child sometimes. That should characterise our relationships. We strive for unity. Every now and then, every now and then, we manage to stop ourselves and keep our mouths shut and not express our opinion because actually we promote unity over people hearing what we think about stuff. We strive for unity. We honour each other above ourselves. That's the way that we can measure up whether we are still enthusiastic for God, if we're still working hard for him. What does an enthusiastic, hard-working Christian salvationist look like? There's an intensity about them. There's no lethargy in them. There are sleeves rolled up Christian. Salvationists have always been known as sleeves rolled up Christians. We don't take the easy way out. We recognise that the world is a battleground, a moment-by-moment -moment battleground between good and evil, and that time is short, and that we have to do our best to build the kingdom in these days. And so we must keep our spirit at boiling point. That's what it means to not lose our spiritual fervour, to not become lazy, not, not to stop working hard but to serve the Lord enthusiastically. It's about keeping our spirit at boiling point. We should be aflame for Christ, like the general. I think you were all impressed by how enthusiastic he was, yes? I, if this is not heretical and doesn't get me sent to the Shetlands or whatever, I like to think of him as a little pocket rocket. Because whenever I see him, he really seems as though he's on fire for God. And that's how we should be. That's what an enthusiastic salvationist looks like, set on fire by the Spirit. And so whatever we do, we do because we're set on fire by the Spirit. We play an instrument because we're set on fire on the Spirit, not because we enjoy playing it, although hopefully we do, 
But that's not the reason we do it. We do it because we're set on fire by the Spirit. And we want to tell people through our playing about the relationship that they can have with God. We sing for the same reason. We sing because we can't help it. The passion that we have in our lives for God, the the Holy Spirit power and fire that we have in our lives just comes out in our voices. We serve food to the homeless, not because it's just a nice thing to do and people will pat us on the head and say, well, isn't the Salvation Army good for looking after those who are in need? We do it because we're passionate about caring for people, about showing God's care for them and about introducing them into the kingdom through the care that we show them. We make coffee. We do administration, however horrible that might be. We teach young people. We preach, not just because it's what we do, not because it's our hobby. I, I, I cringe now at the number of times when people ask, what's your hobby? And I've said, well, playing music or singing music. No, it's not our hobby. We don't do it as a hobby. We do it because the passionate love of God who, that he has for us comes out in the ministry and the service that we give each week. That's why we do it. That's why I stand and preach each week. Not because it's not hard work, but because the passion of the spirit in, inside of me, just I can't stop preaching, which is bad news for you this morning. <laughs> it's not a job. It's not a hobby. It's a calling. It's a calling. That's why we don't give up. We don't give up serving for God. When perhaps we get to the end of a working week and we think, you know what, the best thing that I could do, that I would love to do today, is to stay in bed and have a duvet day. But we don't do that because the passion of the Holy Spirit gets us out of bed. He has to work harder with some of us than with others, but he gets us out of bed and keeps us going. We can't, we, we can't stay away. We can't not carry out our service. We can't have a duvet day because the passion of the Holy Spirit won't let us. We don't stop doing what God calls us to do because our location makes it too difficult. The number of people who travel miles to come here and serve each week and they do it because the passion of the Holy Spirit won't let them stop. They're so filled up with the Holy Spirit that they want to be enthusiastic for him and to work hard for him. They don't stop because it would be easier on our circumstances that some of the other stuff that's going on in our lives, maybe we, maybe we could focus on that for a little while. But no, we try to do it all because of the passion that the Holy Spirit gives us in our lives and, and fills us up with. We don't throw in the towel because relationships get a little bit difficult. We keep going and we keep serving because of the passion the Holy Spirit gives us. Enthusiastic Christians enthusiastic salvationists are aglow with the spirit have you ever noticed that think of someone who you know is filled up with the spirit and they're aglow with the spirit do you know that passionate and compassionate and enthusiastic and working hard salvationists are always smiling why because if you're always frowning you look like the fire's gone out already and so we're always smiling Why? Because we're infused by the work that God has given us. 
And we want to work hard for him. And we don't want to become lazy. We want to be who he has called us to be. To do the best for the highest. Not for ourselves, but to bring glory to him, as the general said. No matter the cost. Like Paul, General William Booth understood that our spiritual fervour can wane. That we can become unenthusiastic. That we can stop working hard and we just go through the motions and we can become lazy and so he once wrote it is the tendency of fire to go out we have to continually add fuel to the fire to keep it going now that's true as far as a physical fire is concerned but it's true as far as our spiritual fire is concerned too How do we stop our fire from going out? How do we add fuel to the fire to ensure that our spiritual passion keeps going? How do we remain red hot and righteous for God? Can I suggest five ways? Quickly, don't worry. First is be deliberate about your relationship with God. Don't leave your relationship to God to chance. Don't leave it as the last thing you do at the end of the day. I'll get everything else done and then if there's time for God, I'll make um, communication with him then. Guard your faith and your heart. Your, Your faith and your heart are being bombarded moment by moment by the world. The best thing that we can do is to guard our faith and guard our hearts with regular times of Bible study and prayer and prioritizing those times if i'm going to be who god wants me to be then those things come first and i fit everything else around it for me my experience the second thing is to engage with spiritual music particularly with songs because then you hear the words and you might just go home or after you've listened to the music wherever and and just have a phrase in mind. Now, purge my heart with holy fire. We've sung that this morning. Maybe that's a line to take. Set your church on fire. Maybe that's the prayer that we're going to pray this week. It's, it's amazing how music helps us remember things. You'll have all forgotten this sermon by 5 to 12, probably. But you might remember, because of the music, you might remember a line of a song. Um, That's not to say that instrumental music can't help us and and help us retain our our spirituality and our passion as well. We might have to work a bit harder at it if it's a piece of music that has a song attached to it. We might need to look up the words to remind us what the words are. But even completely instrumental music can help us and lift our spirits. There's at least one person here who I think their favourite piece of music is The Lark Ascending because he mentions it on a fairly regular basis, don't you, Peter? Yeah? <laughs> um, and that can lift our spirits. There may not be any words attached to it, but listening to the music can lift our spirits. It can affect our mood, our thoughts, and help us to be aware of God. Third thing I suggest we need to do is to pray throughout the day. I find this one particularly difficult. Sometimes it's easier to kind of do that little bit of devotion at the beginning of the day and then almost forget about God for the rest of the day. Imagine doing that in your human relationships. Imagine not speaking to the person that's closest to you for 18 hours after you've said good morning to them in the morning. 
Some of you might appreciate that. Maybe some don't. I don't know. Perhaps that's more controversial than I thought. <laughs> but it wouldn't do our relationships any good, would it? Whether we would prefer it or not. <laughs> it wouldn't do our relationships any good. So as you begin each activity, just throw up a prayer to God. As you end each activity, thank you for being with me in that activity, God. Some of that downtime, some of those things you do on almost autopilot. I was trying to think about the things that you might do on autopilot. Brushing your teeth. That might be an opportunity just to pray to God. Having a shower. We don't necessarily have to think about having a shower, do we? Um, I was thinking about being on public transport, maybe on trains or uh, buses. That might give you an opportunity to speak to God. Even, dare I say, driving, which I think we do a lot on autopilot. Just don't close your eyes while you're praying. Keep your eyes open. But there are different things in our day. Maybe just going to get a cup of coffee or going to the water cooler or whatever. It just gives us an opportunity just to throw up a prayer to God. I'm still in contact with you. Engage your family, friends, and particularly your comrades in godly conversations. When we get together on a Sunday or during the week, we have lots and lots of things that we can talk to each other about. Okay? We may, some of us may well be talking about what's happening on the traitors at the moment or other stuff that's going on. So many things that we can talk to each other about. And it's great to come here, in here on a Sunday morning and hear the conversations going on or to go out into the hub afterwards and to hear people conversing with each other and talking with each other and deepening and developing their relationships. It's good to come in the week and to hear that at different times. But we need to ensure that these are godly conversations that we're having. That we're actually talking to each other about God. That's what we're here for. That's who we're here for. Let's be having those godly conversations as well. And worshipping with us on a Sunday. It's very easy to kind of decide we're going to skip it and have that duvet day or whatever, go and do something else instead. But at its best, when we meet together on a Sunday morning, we're nourished by God's word and by what we sing and what we play and everything else that we hear. We're challenged I actually hope this morning that this message has been a challenge for all of us. I can't tell you the number of times I've preached what I thought was a challenging service and people have gone out after the meeting and said, that was really nice this morning. I'm thinking, it wasn't supposed to be nice, it was supposed to be challenging. <laughs> it's supposed to feel uncomfortable and think, oh, is this, where, is this where we are? And hopefully it equips us for whatever we face in this coming week. As we start to think about who we are and what God wants us to be, I personally want to be a hard-working and enthusiastic servant of God. The question is, how about you? How about you? Will you join me in that? We're going to sing together 682 in the songbook. Beautiful prayer that says, For thy mission make me holy. For thy glory make me thine. Sanctify each moment fully. Fill my life with love divine. In the third verse, we ask God to release that passion in us, that Holy Spirit passion that we need. But in the second verse, we ask ourselves those hard questions first. Have I lost my sense of mission 
that inspired my early zeal. When the fire of thy commission did my dedication seal. Is, is that where I am in my Christian experience today? Then let me hear thy tender pleading. Let me see thy beckoning hand. Let me feel thee gently leading as I bow to thy command. For thy mission, make me holy. Make these prayers as we pray together. And if God is calling you to respond and to come forward this morning, then the place of prayer is open. And you can do that as we think. Sing. Thank you.
If you would like to subscribe to Battle Ready Sermons wherever you choose to listen to podcasts or if you'd like to receive them direct to your inbox, head to www.equippinghispeople.com forward slash sermons and follow the instructions.